Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. How long have you been sexually attracted to underage minor females? Objection, harassing, argumentative. Are you kidding? Uh, noted non-killer of self and serial pedophile uh, Jeffrey Epstein being deposed a few years ago. It's amazing. We talk about him a lot. You hear about him a lot, but you hardly ever hear him speak. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein flew a lot of places with a lot of girls on a fancy private jet, and a lot of important people were on that jet. I thought that somebody somewhere in our government had that information, and actually they do, but it's not public information, and it should be. It absolutely should be. The House Oversight Committee received a letter from uh, Congressman Burchett. He's a Republican from Tennessee. And he says this, we know that Epstein and his associates engaged in child sex trafficking and catered to the rich and powerful elite from around the globe. Many of Epstein's clients are alleged to be some of America's most powerful and well-known people. Recently, Senate Democrats blocked an effort by my colleague, Senator Marsha Blackburn, to subpoena the flight logs associated with Epstein's private plane. Why would they do that? I respectfully request that you subpoena the flight logs of Jeffrey Epstein's private plane. Now, why wasn't this done a long time ago? Why could that be? Any theories? Any theories? Next picture, please. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Is that Jeffrey Epstein in the White House? Yes. Is that Ghislaine Maxwell over his shoulder? Yes. She's in prison now. Bill Clinton. Anyway, we should have had that information a long time ago. Hopefully, it's coming. We're counting on you, James Comer. Next. Thank you. Before the press. Before the press. Whoa. 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 Hush up a second, okay? Got one more thing to say. I just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming quickly. Thank you. Thank you. President Biden, are you mad at me? President Biden, are you mad at me? 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 Look at that. Look at that arrogance. Look at it. Did you see that? Huh. Ain't got a question? Get lost. Get lost. You want to know how this money is being spent? You want to know about accountability? You want to know about my son's hunter's ties to Ukraine and why we're writing all these checks and checks and checks? Look, Putin aggression? Sure. Let's stop it. But we deserve a little bit more information, don't you think? The arrogance, the, I don't know. How can you just let this happen? How can you write a check like that and not think that you're accountable? This would have been a perfect time.
time to answer some questions, but it's a little bit too loosey-goosey. You got you to gotta have it all meticulously arranged, a press conference where two people are authorized to ask the right question, the question that Joe Biden is expecting. You can't have it free-formed like that because, well, this is not a democracy. It doesn't feel like that lately. I know this, according to the people, the people believe that Ukraine would not even have been invaded. Putin would not have tried it if Trump were president at this time. And that makes a lot of sense. Look, this money, all of it, check after check, no accountability, no talk of peace, no talk of peace. I like Speaker Johnson, and I like what he said today about all this. What the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and, and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. Yeah, and if you're a real hawk on Ukraine, and I know plenty of them, and all right, yeah, Ukraine, go Ukraine. Well, the Biden administration is not really helping them win. <laughs> They're helping this thing become a, a stalemate. It seems to be a stalemate. Look at this. Look at these two tanks, right? Ukraine made it quite clear to Joe Biden they want the one on the left, the tan tank, because it's an American tank. It's the M1 tank, right? It's a kick-ass tank, and they wanted it. But, of course, we gave them the runaround. Our people, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, he doesn't even know what it is. The president originally decided against sending U.S. tanks. They're called... Uh, Abrams tanks. Uh, Abrams tanks. M1A1 Abrams tanks. M1A1 Abrams tanks. Got it. Uh, this is the guy. He's still calling the shots. National Security Advisor, even after the Afghanistan fiasco. All right. Tell us how it works again with the tanks. He originally decided against sending them because his military told them that they would not be useful on the battlefield in this fight. What would be useful would be German tanks, a tank called the Leopard, which many different European countries have. But the Germans told the president that they would not be prepared to send those Leopards into the fight. And those Leopards are arriving now, Martha, until the president also agreed to send Abrams. So in the interests of alliance unity and to ensure that Ukraine got what it wanted, despite the fact that the Abrams aren't the tool they need, the president said, OK, I'm going to be the leader of the free world. Uh. I will send Abrams down the road if you send leopards now. Those leopards are getting sent now, and this is actually an example of Joe Biden rallying the global coalition to get Ukraine what it needs. What? It sounds like fuzzy math and uh, bureaucratic subterfuge. Can I see those two tanks again, please? The Ukrainians wanted the good one, the M1A1 Abrams tank. And somehow we convinced them to take the crummy leopard tank, which isn't that crummy, but... They're stretching this thing out. They're playing games with Ukraine, probably, and with us, the American people. And what is the result? A stalemate. Just a bunch of guys standing around. What is happening over there? And what is actually over there? What is over there? You know, some of our best and brightest don't even know. Remember this last week? One thing that Joe Biden and Nikki Haley have in common is that neither of them could even state for you three provinces in eastern Ukraine that they want to send our troops to actually fight for. Look at that. This is what I want people to understand. These people have, I mean, she has no idea what the hell the names of those provinces are, but she wants to send our sons and daughters and our troops and our military equipment to go fight it. We learned three things. 
Go we ahead. learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. <laughs> what a moment. What a moment. She doesn't even know the three provinces in Ukraine. Well, quite frankly, neither do I. Uh, I, I don't, but, you know, it's not, I'm not president. And how many people, how many of those people can actually find Ukraine on a map? We have one of those special maps that does not have any countries on it, okay? Come on, be honest. Can you find Ukraine? Can you? How many people do you know can find Ukraine? All right, let's find which one is Ukraine. That's Ukraine, okay? You divide the country into provinces, and it's got a couple of dozen provinces, all special. What are the names of those provinces, right? And what about the ones on the eastern, the eastern portion of the country? These are the ones that are really, really important, that are up for grabs, kind of, and our leaders don't know um, anything about them. Uh, a lot of the people who wear the Ukraine flags, oh, by the way, walking around and, uh, you know, rooting, they don't know either. Look, Putin, the aggression is not good. It's not good. Uh, it would not have happened under Trump. The problem here is Putin, he's got very strong ties to Iran. And if he does well in Ukraine, that means Iran, I mean, Iran will be even more on the rise. So we have a problem. I just don't know about these two leaders. I don't know about Joe Biden, and I don't know about Zelensky. You know, Zelensky, uh, <laughs> you know, he canceled elections over there in Ukraine. It's all about democracy in Ukraine, but he canceled the elections? Come on, he can do better than that. Because even in war, you can have elections. I want to show you something. In our country, since World War II, we have had plenty of wars, and it looks like we have elections all the time. And you've got to have an election during a war. Having a war is no excuse to not have an election. All right? Fair enough? Fair enough. And I also think maybe it's time to talk a little bit about peace. Is that such a problem? You know who does talk about peace? You know who. Mr. President, can I just follow up on that because that's a really important Excuse statement me, let me that just you just made up. there. Can you say if you want Ukraine or Russia to win this war? I want everybody to stop dying. They're dying. Russians and Ukrainians. I want them to stop dying. You know what's so brilliant about that answer? He's going to be president someday, perhaps, right? I hope so. But, and he's campaigning like that. With that in mind, for all the talk about how he's a wild man, sooner or later he's going to sit down at the table. And if he says, I want Ukraine to win or I want Russia to win, that can be used against him and it could blow up or even just sabotage peace talks from the very start. And we should have some peace talks, don't you think? All right. You look for Donald Trump for wisdom at a time like this. Do you look to Mitt Romney? Why would anybody look to Mitt Romney? Uh, Mitt Romney is a lame duck senator. He is literally a loser. 2012 was a very winnable race. He lost it. Blames everybody else but himself. Candy Crowley. I don't know. Um, but the fake news can't get enough of him. He was on Meet the Press, the big show, for 21 minutes. He was the lead guest on Meet the Press this weekend. Why? I don't know, but some revealing things about him and rhinos. Take a look. You know, when I was a uh, kid, there was something called a gumball machine. You could put a penny in and a gumball would come out. It was automatic. There was no filter. Put in the penny, out came the gumball. Donald Trump is kind of a human gumball machine, which is a thought or a notion comes in and it comes out of his mouth. There's not a lot of filter that goes on. 
There's not a lot of what's the implication. No, he just says whatever. Yes, and that's one of the reasons why we like him. He doesn't just say whatever. We already went through it with uh, Ukraine and Russia. But he does share with us what he's thinking. What does everybody think in the room? I don't know. I want the implications to my future and my hair. He's got to worry about that stuff, huh? Next, please. I think we agree that we have looked at his behavior, and his behavior suggests that this is a person who will impose his will, if he can, uh, on the judicial system, on the legislative branch, and on the entire nation. You know, the way he says it, it sounds so terrible, but isn't that really why somebody kind of gets into politics, you know, if you really want to make a contribution? It, it, it can be read a couple of ways. I'm going to read it generously, like, yes. This is leadership. It's called leadership. And it's not dictatorship. There's no question he has authoritarian rulings and, and interests and no, notions which he will try and impose. That's dangerous for the country. Is this a dictator? Is this an authoritarian Donald Trump? People forget, or maybe they just weren't paying enough attention to this man followed the rules. He actually did. Granted, he was a very unique player, and also, you know, the conventions he sometimes blew off in a good way. But he knows about law, and he knows about the rules. Does this sound like a dictator? And uh, I'll sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office, and we will have a national emergency, and we will then be sued, and they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling, and then we'll get another bad ruling, and then we'll end up in the Supreme Court, and hopefully we'll get a fair shake, and we'll win in the Supreme Court. Just like the ban, they sued us in the Ninth Circuit, and we lost, and then we lost in the appellate division, and then we went to the Supreme Court, and we won. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is not the way a dictator speaks. He wants to win, but we might lose in that court, then we will appeal. This is not a monster. This is not an authoritarian. This is a guy who beat Hillary Clinton, and they will never, ever forgive him for that. All right, back to Mitt. Mitt, okay, we, we know you don't like President Trump. We know he's dangerous, but how dangerous? That literally is the next question. I want to drill down on you on just how dangerous, as you say, you perceive former President Trump to be. He's already said everything bad about Donald Trump, you can say, but she wants to know just how much of a threat. You say a threat, but how much of a threat? The fake news. They are the worst. <sighs> One more. I think if you can look at the last few months of his presidency, you'd suggest that that's the kind of thing you might see, uh, that he would not have the generals around him, as he did last time, people of judgment and experience offering advice, and in some cases, restraining his impulses. The generals were weak and, quite frankly, incompetent, especially that General Kelly. He never should have been in that job. General Mattis was in way over his head. Who needs these guys? Donald Trump learned a very valuable lesson. The generals are the pits. They lost Iraq, they lost Afghanistan, and they were always lying to political leaders and to the American people. Uh, who's he gonna have? Who's Donald Trump gonna have next time around if he gets in? Some awesome people. Rick Grinnell, uh, Robert O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, Ben Carson, the, the, one of the finest men 
who ever lived in this country. And yeah, Tucker Carlson. That could happen. And I think he would bring a lot to the Trump administration uh, if it happens. All right. Actually, I got a couple more. If he were to become elected president again, it is a campaign of retribution and anger and hate. That's not what America is based on. America was based on the idea of in God we trust and united we stand. Divided we fall. Divided nation is not the nation America is intended to be. All right. There are some things, you know, unity for the sake of unity. We're not going to unify and say, well, we can have a half open border or we can have drag queens show up and talk to our children in public schools. Some things we are not going to unify around. OK, sorry. Admit for a guy who values unity. Why did you take to the streets during Black Lives Matter summer? There you are. The ultimate, the ultimate pandering fool. Really, what a so it's sad. It's sad. He wanted it so bad, but he really just is not cut out for public life. All right. And, you know, all the catastrophes that the world is seeing, he played a pretty big role in it. Look, there was a big case to be made against uh, Joe Biden in 2020. Right. I mean, real corruption, real problems. And Mitt was making excuses for Joe Biden. Now he sees a problem. If his name were anything other than Biden, he wouldn't have been able to bilk millions of dollars from foreign entities. So let's start there. And not only did he take all this money from foreign entities, trading out his father's name, which is uh, ugly and, and unsavory, um, he then didn't pay taxes. And we knew a lot of this stuff all the way back in 2020 when you were giving Senator Ron Johnson a hard time for investigating. Somehow this was beneath Congress, beneath you, right? He's just a, he never wants to get down in the trenches. He never wants to break a sweat. That was the big problem with Mitt Romney. And as to tying this to Joe Biden, the Hunter stuff, it's all over the place. Don't believe the fake news and don't believe weak Republicans. Evidence suggests that Hunter was giving money to Joe Biden. That email, it exists. 10 held by H for the big guy established by everybody that the big guy is Joe Biden. How about Hunter saying in a text message to his daughter, uh, he gives half of his salary to his father. You may you may not agree with it. You may think, OK, this doesn't establish anything, but this is evidence. It absolutely is a two hundred thousand dollar check from his brother to the former president at the time. What the heck is that all about? A loan repayment? Give me a break. And more recently, established by the House Oversight Committee, automatic payments from Hunter's account, Owasco, to his father. It happened. It's there. There is a paper trail. I know they're quibbling. Oh, it's only this. It's only that. They're always quibbling. But the evidence is growing and growing and growing. And I think this is the, this is the biggest piece of evidence right here. <laughs> the lavish lifestyle of Joe Biden. A lot of the problems in the world, um, they're on you, Mitt Romney. Thanks for nothing. I'll be right back. Many years ago, I began to use the term intersectionality to deal with the fact that many of our social justice problems like racism and sexism are often overlapping. 
I think a lot of times we fail to realize the intersectionality between maternal health care, reproductive justice, and abortion care. Intersectionality examines how social inequalities are organized, endure, change, and resisted. I still have no idea what intersectionality means. So let's look it up. I arranged for a definition to be presented to all of us. Intersectionality. Here, woke people talk about it all the time. It is the effects of multiple forms of discrimination, racism, sexism, classism, combine, overlap, or intersect in the experiences of marginalized individuals. I still don't know what it means. People have explained this to me. I tried intersectionality. I don't know, but I think I know I think I know it when I see it. Now, you heard about the big fiasco with the college presidents last week and uh, what's her name, McGill, uh, Lee Stefanik. Remember this moment? Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. All right, that was just the beginning of her digging a very, very, very deep hole for herself, and she was fired. She lost her job. They say she voluntarily resigned, whatever. I mean, she got fired. She was the president of the University of Pennsylvania, and it's over because of her incredibly stupid response. I mean, anti-Semitic response. I mean, I mean, I guess that's the way they think. Maybe it wasn't, it was honest, but wrong, but hateful. Anyway, the lady at Harvard, uh, her name is Gay, President Gay. She said basically the same thing. Take a look. Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. Okay, that's, that's really bad, right? Everybody understands. Now, she dug herself a hole as deep as the other one. She kept her job. We found out from Harvard today that uh, they have full confidence in her leadership. She is not losing her job. So how could one person lose their job for the same offense, the other one? Can well, this is where that intersectionality thing might kick in. Uh, 10 years ago, being a white woman, a university president, that was a big deal, but now it's pretty much standard. White woman, that's not gonna get, but if you throw into the woman intersectionality, I don't view this, the world this way, but a lot of liberals do. Woman plus black equals can't fire her, at least in a job like that. That's, it, that's, that's I think, is intersectionality. And she should lose her job just like the woman from Pennsylvania. But uh, certain, there are certain things that intersect and keep jobs when they should be lost. One moment, please. Charlie Kirk, probably one of the top 10 most important conservatives in America. Of course, he is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, which has done so much to help this country. I wonder if Charlie is shocked by some of what we have seen recently. Uh, that University of Pennsylvania uh, president being so overtly anti-Semitic. At least she was fired, right? She was totally fired. Meanwhile, uh, the president of Harvard said equally disturbing things, yet... Harvard has full confidence in her leadership. Anti-Semitism, I knew, was kind of rampant on campus with idiot college kids running around, waving flags they don't really understand, slogans they don't realize the full impact of. But 
that it went so far in the administration. Charlie Kirk, uh, welcome back. And you got to check out the Charlie Kirk show. Wow, I am shocked about everything that has happened since October 6th. You know college campuses better than <laughs> most college kids. Were you shocked? Uh, to the extent, somewhat, but not necessarily. You know, I wrote the book, The College Scam. I enjoyed coming on your great show, Greg, when it was published. I have been warning about the radicalism that we've seen on these university campuses for quite some time. Uh, what I have been shocked and actually, not I'm shocked, I have been really um, surprised and excited to see is how donors are starting to pull their money. Finally, we're starting to see a revolt of the donors, Mark Rowan, Bill Ackman, that are standing up uh, to the Leviathan of higher education. And the question now is, well, what next uh, beyond resignations from the college presidents? So we must applaud any time a Jew hater uh, loses their job, any time Jew haters are called out. They have no place uh, in leadership of our institutions in this country. I'm afraid, though, Greg, people that have been trying to restrict speech on campus for quite some time are going to use this as an opportunity uh, to assail our ability as conservatives to speak on college campuses. Conduct against any sort of group shall not be tolerated. However, for example, when I go to a college campus and I say that there are only two sexes and there are zero genders and infinite personalities, uh, that is considered to be hate speech. In fact, they say that I'm participating in the genocide of trans people. It would be a tragedy, Greg, that uh, if we allow this, uh, this terrible, uh, these uh, terrible events to result in further restriction of free speech on campuses. Two genders is hate speech, but calling for the genocide of, of Jewish people is <laughs> depends on the context. I, that's right. That, uh, that is, uh, that's something. Hey, in a weird way, could this be a victory for intersectionality, which a lot of people use that word. I don't know if they fully mean, but if you look at the president of um, Penn, a white woman, you know, she loses her job, uh, and I think appropriately so. We don't care about gender. We don't care about skin color, but a lot of people on the left do. And the Harvard president keeps her job because behind closed doors or whatever, they say, well, it's a black woman and it's harder to fire a black woman. So somehow her intersectionality, which I mean, I think means being, you know, two things. And in this case, a black woman. Again, this is liberal speak, but in a weird way, is this going to kind of encourage uh, those kinds of hires where there's a real emphasis on intersectionality? Yeah, I mean, I, I sure hope that we can get back to meritocracy. These institutions used to be something to be proud of. Uh, uh, something that's also developing throughout this, Greg, is that people no longer look at Harvard as an elite school. It's actually becoming a laughingstock. The Wall Street Journal did a very powerful piece yesterday where they said internal pen documents say that we have become a national laughingstock. And they are right. And, you know, that of all the things, the donations, the thing that they are most upset about is that they're not able to kind of have their nose up and brag that they went to an Ivy League school, that they might actually have to tilt their head downward in shame. Honestly, that's a good thing. That is how you're going to start to see these universities change, more so than special invites to country clubs or insider access to the Harvard Club in New York. No, no, no. The thing that really drives the Ivy League culture is the pretension, is the elitism. And if Harvard, Princeton, uh, Penn, Dartmouth, Columbia graduates now have to kind of whisper, yeah, I, I, I went to Penn, I went to Harvard, because they're afraid that somebody might say, oh, you mean the place that hates Jews? That is a terrific development, and that is actually what will drive change at these universities. All right, but we got to give a shout-out to our conservative clubs on those campuses, some of the brightest conservatives 
historically right. have come from some of those schools. They're often, uh, you know, persecuted themselves. Charlie, I want to show everybody a picture of Mitch McConnell. I don't think you're a fan. I'm not a fan. You know, nobody tweets like you. And you put this out today. Republicans said nothing about Bill Clinton flying to islands with minors. Republicans did nothing about Hillary Clinton smashing devices. You go on like this. Republicans did nothing about Andy McKay plotting a silent coup against a sitting president. Why would Democrats be afraid of us? They run the country while Republican AGs and DAs quiver in fear and run for the hills. That is something. It is all true. Um, are they going to step up? Uh, I, I would love to see some aggressiveness and creativity. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we are in a crisis right now, and this is what is fueling the grassroots push behind Donald Trump dominating the Republican primary, is that anyone that remembers a free country knows that it's completely and totally politically unacceptable to have the former president and leading candidate facing 700 years in federal prison. Hard stop. And what we want, what we yearn for, is to have a opposition party in D.C. The RNC running, run by Ronna McRomney, is an absolute failure. It is a joke. It is controlled opposition. Mitch McConnell uh, does a terrible job in the Senate of actually restricting funding. In fact, it seems as if he wants the uniparty aims and ambitions of the regime to continue. What the conservative grassroots of America are begging for is can somebody be as conservative as we are in Washington, D.C. Can we cut maybe like $10 off the FBI funding? Like, can we just like cut a cappuccino machine? You know, can we have like something that we can go back and say that we did? Instead, it seems as if we get appeasement, doublespeak. A major fight right now, Greg, is FISA 702. They used it to spy on Trump. They used it to spy on Tucker Carlson. The abuses are widespread. They're probably using it right now to spy on me and spy on the Trump campaign. I sure hope that House Republicans can draw a line in the sand and not renew 702 and let alone for another 12 years. But Craig, it goes back, Greg, it goes back to this, is can we have a Republican party that reflects the voters. The voters are there. The grassroots are on fire. They're passionate. They're dedicated. Why are our leaders stuck in 1986 acting as if everything's fine, stock market's going up, and it's morning in America? It's not morning in America. It's almost midnight, and we need action. Damn, Charlie. You talk even better than you tweet. <laughs> that was really, you're powerful. You're good. Hey, very quickly, I live here. What can people do? Regular people, what should we do? What? What is there for them to do? You know, a lot of folks are just watching this on TV, you know, watching Trump. What's he going to say next? Um, what do you recommend, practically speaking, what folks can do who are otherwise, you know, employed and got other things going on? Yeah, well, first thing is if you live in the southwest of this country, uh, consider coming to our big event this weekend. It's called America Fest. It's four days, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, amfest.com, A-M-F-E-S-T.com. We got some big speakers. We're super excited about that. But honestly, sign up for your local Republican Party and do not despair. To despair is a sin. Dedicate to the long-term fight uh, and hold your elected leaders accountable. My short-term mission is to get a Republican Party leaders that care about the country as much as the grassroots do. I would really be pessimistic, Greg, if the grassroots were all about sending money to you brain and insider deals and all that nonsense. The grassroots are more on fire than I've ever seen them. It's time to get Washington, D.C. Republicans to remotely mirror that. Awesome. Charlie Kirk, keep it up. Thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Turning Point USA, tpusa.com. Check it out, and we'll be right back. Breaking news of tonight is that the United States Supreme Court took only five 
hours this afternoon to decide to fast-track Special Prosecutor Jack Smith's request that the Supreme Court intervene now. Tonight, Special Counsel Jack Smith asking the Supreme Court to decide if Donald Trump is immune from prosecution in the election interference case. Tonight, the Special Counsel bets big on the Supreme Court. How big of a bet? Well, every single check and balance on all presidents just might be at stake. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, Jack Smith. My understanding is this. He is really, really trying to fast track this case. He says it's because the people have a right to know. I know that he wants Trump to not be elected president. That's my that's my keen sense of the matter. Let's see, let's see, uh, the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, are they on Jack Smith's side? Uh, I gotta read all this, but. Petitioner's motion to expedite consideration of the petition for a Writ of Sashori? I should not have read this thing. Let's bring in the experts. They'll tell us what it means. Joe DeGeneva, the former U.S. attorney, and Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor. <laughs> Great guy, not like the ones you see on MSNBC. Forgive me, gentlemen. Yes. They all act like this is the biggest deal in the world. Help me out here, though. Big picture. Donald Trump understandably wants to slow down this thing, i.e. get it thrown out. Uh, and what Jack Smith has done here by seeking Supreme Court intervention is incredibly premature, incredibly unprofessional, and, and that's what's happening because they want this done soon to damage him politically. Joe? You are absolutely correct. Phew. There's absolutely no reason to fast track this case. It's a, it, if you treat it as a traditional criminal case, it takes its course, it goes to the Court of Appeals, and if somebody wants to take it up to the Supreme Court, they do. But Jack Smith doesn't want to do that. He wants this case decided very, very fast so that he can go to trial, get a conviction, which he will get in the District of Columbia with a biased jury poll, 92% voted for the Democrat, Joe Biden, in the last election, and get a conviction so that he can claim that Trump should not be president. I mean, this is a disgrace. And the performance by Jack Smith in this, like a little child running to the Supreme Court to get a quick decision. Mommy, mommy, please help me. Please stop this so I can get my decision. This guy's a thug. He's an unprofessional. He's an embarrassment to the Justice Department. But these days, this Justice Department cannot be embarrassed. Doug Burns, do you agree with that assessment? Is the Supreme Court smart enough to figure it out that they're being played here? And what's that word I was having trouble with? A writ of uh, a writ of Cerciari. <laughs> what does that mean? Never mind. Unison, right? What? <laughs> what does it mean? It just means it, it, it just means they 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 have a, they have the discretion the discretion to take it or not take it. I got it. All right. So uh, I think Doug. Uh, so overall, <laughs> is the Supreme Court? They're savvy enough to know that they're being played here, right? And uh, what do you think they're going to do? And uh, one more thing. Does this necessarily sure. mean that they're going to rule on it? They, maybe they just want to hear from Team Trump, and then they could kick it back to the appellate court? Absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree with you. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more, obviously. Jack Smith is trying to move heaven and earth to bring this case to trial in the election season. It is a disgrace, as Joe said. And the point is... The government doesn't ask for speedy trials. It's the defendant's right, and he or she can <laughs> insist 
on a quick trial, waive it, and the government never objects if they waive it. So again, we, Joe and I, have been doing this for decades. We sit here and we watch this completely disingenuous argument that it's of imperative public importance that the case go to trial quickly. No, it is not. Yeah, actually, Jack Smith said it out loud uh, August 1st sure. when he announced the indictment or released it. Uh, the speedy, he wants us fast. Go ahead, please, with that. In this case, my office will seek a speedy trial so that our evidence can be tested in court and judged by a jury of citizens. It, it specifically <laughs> says in the Constitution that that is the defendants, the accused, has that right, not the government. Uh, what concerns me, Joe, and has concerned me for a long time, you know, there are very few of you guys standing up. You guys are great and you have the credentials, but Thank they you. have legions of your former counterparts dominating the New York Times, dominating cable news, feeding in to what they want to hear, just, just going along with this. And we know, we know it's wrong. Well, the issue here is you just, you just can't listen to that noise. You have to give your opinion, your honest opinion as a lawyer. I'm the former United States attorney for the District of Columbia. I prosecuted the Jonathan Pollard spy case. I've had dozens of major types of criminal cases in front of me. The performance of Jack Smith is an embarrassment to any United States attorney in the country. They brought him back from The Hague. Can you imagine? They dragged this guy back prosecuting war criminal cases from The Hague because he, he was embarrassed. He had to leave the Justice Department because he was overturned by the Supreme Court so many times because of his bizarre legal theories. This guy is a thug. He is a legal thug with a very soft voice, and he's the perfect partner for Merrick Garland. And they're going to they're going to get it by a jury. And I wonder if they're going to get it by the Supreme Court. Oh. Kavanaugh seems spooked <laughs> and Amy Coney Barrett. And you know what? I know you have credentials, superlative credentials, both of you. And I know you're right. But the other side, they got a guy named David Kelly, who used to be, I think, a U.S. attorney in the Southern District. Maybe you guys know him. And I saw him today going off on how this is such a, it's a brilliant move and they know what they're doing. And I know that's wrong, and I suspect that deep down he knows it's wrong too, David. Uh, Doug, could you? Well, well, no, that's right. I mean, we've seen legal pundits and experts who have sold out legitimate legal analysis just based on pure Trump hatred, anger, and Trump derangement syndrome. It's very difficult to watch. So when Joe and I see guys looking in the camera and saying it's imperative that there be a speedy trial, when in 38 years, I don't think I've ever, and I'd be curious, on Joe's take, I don't think I can remember the government ever asking for a speech drop. Honestly. I, I never once, as United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, over six years, asked for a speedy trial. It is absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. And by the way, Greg, let me just tell you something. If I'm not mistaken, Doug's father was Arnie Burns. Am I right, yes. Doug? You are. And I worked for I worked for Arnie Burns. Thank he was you. Deputy Attorney General when I was U.S. Attorney in the Reagan administration. I'm proud to be on this set with Doug Burns. Wow. Thank Doug you Burns. so much, Joe. Keep wait, a second, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Gentlemen, you. gentlemen. Arthur Burns or Ar 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 Arno Burns? Who? Arnie. Arnold Arnie Burns. Burns. Arnold Burns. He was Deputy Attorney General in the second Reagan term under Ed Meese. Wow. And Joe That's the number two guy. My dad. Yeah. He's a great amazing. man. And he's gone 10 years, and we miss him, of course. I'm so sorry. You know, I've got a bio on you, Doug Burns. It's Doug Burns, former federal prosecutor. <laughs> <laughs> Completely inadequate, and that's on me. Next time I'll have you back, and we'll show a nice picture of your father and 
And thank you for uh, for everything. Thank you both, Appreciate that. Doug. Joe, and thank you. Seriously. Merry Christmas. All Merry the best. Christmas. Come back soon. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Bye bye. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Be right back. Woke liberal snobs are infuriated and flabbergasted that Donald Trump dared do something this crass and vulgar to make money. I think it's great. I really do. Take a look. My last two Trump digital trading card collections sold out in just hours. And now I'm back with my latest series called the Mugshot Edition. I wonder where that came from. The Mugshot Edition. 47 all-new stunning cards, and here is the best part. I'm doing two important things for my Trump collectors. For the first time, we're creating a real physical Trump card. Purchase 47 digital cards and we'll mail you a beautiful trading card. It is an authentic piece of the suit I wore when I took that now famous mugshot. And it was a great suit. Believe me, a really good suit. <laughs> what a great idea. I'd buy a couple of those things. Hey, this is America. You know, we don't have to be so serious and gloomy all the time. And why not make some money for the campaign, for the, the bills? I think it's fine. You know, the Democrats do the same thing. They just don't do it as well. Uh, remember when a fly landed on uh, Mike Pence's head? I actually don't remember it. It was like there for two seconds, but everybody flipped out and Democrats started selling fly swatters. And the Biden campaign, you can buy one for 10 bucks. Ha ha, you hit the fly off of Mike Pence's head, get it? And remember that let's go Brandon thing and Biden tried to make it like he tried to own it, but instead he got owned. I like my coffee dark. And dark Brandon, they tried to make that a thing. It didn't work, made no money. You could buy these cups. Dark Brandon cups. Still don't get it. And by the way, let's go Brandon. We got to bring that back. And I'll be right back. Madeline. That's my baby Madeline. She just turned two. She's on the swing set with her mom. Now, I got another video for you in a moment. But first, I got to talk to you about Newsmax Plus. You heard about Newsmax Plus. It's awesome. Look, we can't stream it for free anymore. Uh, sorry. But you got to go to Newsmax Plus. It's a great, great deal. You get Newsmax, Newsmax 2. You get archival footage. You get John Voight. He just put together this amazing series on, on Israel. And you get Carl Higby. Great show. Eric Bowling, Great show. Rob Schmidt. Great show. Greta. Very great show. It's all here, all right? NewsmaxPlus.com. You're going to enjoy it, and thank you. Now, back to the Kelly household. Here's that same little girl after she got back from the swing set having a snack. Looks like she's eating a, I don't know what that is, some sort of cupcake. Or all right, anyway, I'll be home soon, Madeline. Thank you all. Bye-bye.